0: listening to sharp scratch episode 39 being a patient as a medical student this podcast is brought to you by the bmj and sponsored by medical protection where we bring together medical students junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor but that you don't necessarily get taught at medical school i'm nikki and i'm the editorial scholar here at the bmj and i'm also a medical student at the university of manchester And I'm excited to be joined today by two of our regular panelists, Izzy
1: and Lily. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi there, I'm Lily. I am a fourth year medical student in London. And hi, I'm Izzy and I'm also a fourth year medical student but
0: in Nottingham. I'm really glad to have you both with us. We're also delighted to be joined today by our expert guest, Anne. Anne, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hello, I'm Anne Stevenson. I'm a South London GP and I am a medical educator at the GK2 School of Medical Education.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. So today we're going to be talking a bit about being a patient as a medical student and I think this leads on quite well from our last episode about medical student syndrome where we spoke a bit about health anxieties so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet do go and check it out. Um, I know the team have also done an episode a while back about being a sick doctor, and I know they focus a little bit more on chronic illnesses. Um, but today I wanted to focus a bit about being a patient as a medical student specifically, both in terms of how it changes how doctors t- can treat you a little differently when they find out you're a medical student, but also how this can make you feel. Lily and Izzy, do either of you have much experience of being a patient?
1: Yeah, um, I have quite a lot of experience, so. All through medical school, I have been a patient. Um, you'll find out what in in a bit. And before medical school as well. And that also affected my, you know, do I want to go to medical school? Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of experience. So hopefully you can talk about it. And Izzy, do you think
0: that, bef- you said you were a patient beforehand as well. Do you think that y- the way you've been treated
1: has been has changed at all since people have found out that you're a medical student? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's, I think it's um, it changes... It changes everything, really, because you suddenly feel like you're on a different level when you're talking to your GP, especially. It's really noticeable, and um, I've noticed it more. The more um, experienced I get as a medical student, the bigger that change has become that I've noticed. Mm. Lily, what about you?
3: Um, Yeah, I wasn't magically cured when I came to medical school, so I'm still a patient. Um, Yeah, and I guess similarly... It is interesting observing how doctors talk to you before they know and then after they know. And also, I guess, having a kind of weird insight into your own disease is a bit scary. And because you know how bad it can be, or you might know of like a prognosis or something like that, which is can sometimes be a bit daunting.
0: Anne, how often would you say that a GP, if they know that they're a medical student, how often would you say that a GP knows if their patient's a medical student? And I know you're also involved with training GPs. What would you expect them to do to adapt and use different terminology and things than if they were having consultation with a layperson?
2: Right, well, I've done quite a lot of thinking about this session and um, I kind of put myself into the shoes of a medical student, thought about my own experiences as a patient, as a medical student, and now as a doctor and as a GP, and i think that hopefully most gps will know that patient is a medical student not necessarily however if we really know our patient and talk with our patient openly we we should know that unless the medical student may not want their doctor to know and i think that occasionally happens because they're worried they're going to be treated differently so to be aware is useful and then to actually kind of reset a little bit and That's challenging for a number of reasons. I don't know whether we want to go into that now. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So a medical student is a patient and a person like anyone else. However, they have extra knowledge and experience. And they also have professional responsibilities around patient safety. So there are a number of levels to it that can make that consultation just take that little bit extra reflection and time to work through
0: that's so true because I do think that I've experienced it sort of both ways I've definitely had GP appointments where I felt a bit like it's a teaching session and I was being quizzed a little bit about the questions that I was asking which can be difficult because if you've gone and presented with a complaint to your GP you sometimes want to be just told things and reassured not sat in a clinical reasoning session that you could be having at medical school but then equally I've also really appreciated doctors often taking time to explain things to me and sort of teach me about certain things um about how a certain medication works or I know I mentioned that I've got a slight sinus arrhythmia in one of the previous episodes and the cardiologist that I saw about that really sat me down and sort of talked me through my ECG which I think I probably understood ECGs so much better after that when it was sat talking through a specific case Um, Yeah, I think I understood that better than any other ECG
1: teaching I'd had. I think what what I like there is that Anne said the medical student is both a patient and a person. And the fact you said it's a person, like, I'm so lucky in that my GP, I finally found one who treats me like a person and I'm just as deserved as, you know, treatment as anyone else. And that's so refreshing to have someone, you know, look at you and not even... That even if they do have, you know, the preconception that, right, they're a medical student, they should know what's actually going on here. You know, it doesn't really affect the way she treats me compared to her other patients. And I feel like that's refreshing in a way that I, I feel looked after in a way. I feel like I'm not having anything hidden from me, anything said to me that I wouldn't want to otherwise know. And it helps me kind of get through each day, I guess, when I'm having a bit of a bad time with it. So, yeah.
3: I think I have a weird experience with doctors where being them knowing I'm a medical student will almost improve the care and will improve the consultation because they suddenly, I guess, being cynical, almost have more respect for me or they feel like I might walk into a doctor's surgery and the doctor is really rushed and then as soon as they know I'm a medical student, they almost... I don't know there's like so a, there's a
0: little
3: yeah there's a change in the vibe which I don't like I don't hate because it's nice to feel almost like the camaraderie but with your doctor, however they will also completely change their language style, completely change the way in which they explain medications and disease so when I got I have bronchiectasis like a lung thing and when I got diagnosed the doctor was like oh you have bronchiectasis but I had no clue what that was and he was like well of course you know what that was and I was too scared to be like I don't know what that is so I just nodded and was like yeah sure 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 then had to go home and google it then the next appointment I had I was a bit more like I don't really know what it is so it's almost this balancing between the doctor suddenly kind of becomes a friend because they're almost your peer because you're both in medicine But also that means that you don't actually get, I don't think, as good patient education or they they expect you to know something that you don't. And that can, I guess, be quite dangerous sometimes.
0: Definitely, yeah. That's really interesting. Anne, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's a fine line. So I have a number of patients who are doctors or medical students and I deliberately attempt to treat them as I would treat any other patient that comes to the surgery. However, knowing that they've got more knowledge and sometimes say more knowledge than I have about a particular condition, but then any patient has that because they have their own experiences. They've often a lot of knowledge about their conditions. So in a way it's no different than any other patient, but there is an element of camaraderie and I need to be careful not to be over familiar because I'm there caring for them and it can feel sometimes, I think, as a patient, as a medical student or as a doctor, as a patient, that they're rather leaving it to you when actually you want them to care for you. It's a really, really fine line. And sometimes also doctors can sometimes share their own experiences with, other med- with medical students or doctors, yeah. which is inappropriate. So it's, it's actually really a very, I think, quite a tricky consultation.
3: I completely agree with that, Anne. Like, I, when I'm ill, I just want to be looked after, and I don't want to feel like I'm also responsible completely for my own health when the next patient wouldn't be expected to be. Um, yeah, I, I think you've articulated that feeling really well. I do I do just want to be looked after a little bit.
0: Mm. Yeah, it just reminded me of that joke that I've seen online everywhere about how, how do medical students even get ill? Like, just look at your notes, haha. ha Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I guess we'll discuss a little bit more about that. But first, we've got a brief message from our sponsor.
4: How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most and when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of Medical Protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org.
0: All right, back to the show. So another thing that I was really keen to talk about today is the ideology of whether doctors and medical students are sort of expected to be well. Um, When I was planning this episode, I was having a chat with Lily and Izzy, and we mentioned that sometimes as medics, we sort of detach ourselves from what we're learning about completely. And I guess that applies to when you're feeling ill too. Anne, what are your thoughts on that?
2: So that comes, uh, it reminds me of the kind of personal and the professional identity and um, that as we're going through medical school or through our lives, we're somehow trying to bring those two things together, but also there's a separation. And stepping from one role to another can be quite difficult. So our professional role where sometimes we have to be a little bit separate at times and our personal identity where we need to look after ourselves. So I think that is challenging and we can be quite detached and we can look at ourselves as we would look as, as some, somebody, our ill self, as somebody different and not want to enter into that ill role because it doesn't feel right as a medical student or as a doctor. It feels too vulnerable or too scary. Or
1: I feel like adding on to that, sometimes health professionals forget that health professionals can be sick as well, including students. I, mean, I have an example of that. I'm currently on um, GP placement and, you know, a patient left the room and the GP just looked at me and said, Oh, imagine how horrible it must be to have to take so many medications just to stop yourself feeling miserable and I'm just I'm sitting there thinking, Well I had a phone call with my psychiatrist the day before, we just upped all my medications, added another one, and yeah, I know how it feels. But, you know, I just sat there and go, Yeah, it must be horrible. Like but I do know, yeah, it is really horrible to feel that low and, you know, I'm not afraid to say, at the moment, I'm going through a pretty hard time. COVID is not helping that, and there is a mental health crisis going on at the moment. And I think there'll be a lot more people like me presenting themselves to with mental health conditions, and that includes healthcare students. We're not we're not exempt from that. If not, we might even be at more risk as we see firsthand the devastating effects this has had, and it's it's unsettling. It's horrible, and I've had patients come in and say you know I'm feeling really low or really anxious and even in like teaching sessions we have simulated patients and you know when I talk to them like I kind of know what questions to ask from my experience I've had oh how old am I I've had nine ten years of experience of this now I know what a GP will ask I know what helps to ask I know what it doesn't help to be asked and you know, I get feedback like people are saying you know you you manage that so well like how did you know this stuff And I'm not going to say oh yeah because my own experiences I'm like oh I just looked it up and I want to say it's my own experiences when I'm talking to of course not to patients but talking to my GP tutor to uh, my friends in teaching but for some reason there's that mental block I don't want to say it because it's almost like the stigma that mental health definitely has in medicine which you know leads on to a whole other ballpark with fitness to practice and things like that and medical students are scared to say that they struggle when we all do, <laughs> it's really, it's, it would be a bit weird not to struggle as a medical student, if you ask me, at any point in your course. And so I just think, you know, there's so many different aspects to it, um, but especially from a mental health perspective, sometimes, you know, you do think it's, you don't know who's got it and who doesn't, and that can really affect people.
0: No, completely. Because a lot of the times, so, so many of the symptoms are almost hidden, so you wouldn't recognize them. And someone dates so that's interesting that your GP made that comment, and your your GP tutor made that comment that made you feel like that. But it's also interesting. It's a bit of a paradox, I guess, because we were speaking about this on the last episode about how perhaps even medical students are sort of. We talk about them being a sort of self-selective group of people, and how a lot of their personalities within medical students might be more likely to develop things such as anxiety and depression. Which is then really interesting that there's such a stigma, even though we're in a group that might be more likely to suffer from
1: these things. It's this whole fitness to practice thing. You know, you get you, when you're applying to medicine, you hear all the horror stories of people who said, "Oh yeah, I had one panic attack and I was kicked out of medical school." I know my fourth year and I know that cannot have been true. Like, there must have been something else going on that they're not talking about because it's half of the journey of being a medical student is struggling, is learning from your experiences, learning from your mistakes to make yourself a better doctor. If you go through medical school and never have stress about exams, it's, are you actually, you know, seeing how serious this is? (laughs) Like, you kind of need to know these stuff to be a good doctor. And, like, when I'm talking to my friends and I'm like... And they say, why didn't you say that you had a mental health condition or so many of them? Well, I do have multiple. And I'm like, I just didn't want people to judge me. I didn't want, you know, if anyone sees me, you know, being a bit quieter than normal, suddenly assuming that, you know, I'm at risk when I'm not. I'm, that's just how I am. I want people to look at me as like a normal human being. And I mean, we're medical students. Are we normal human beings? Who knows? <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, I don't want my condition to define how people see me as a doctor. Because I, I feel like I have just as good chance of being a good doctor as the next person. It doesn't matter what I've been through. Like, I can use them to my advantage in some experiences, yeah. But does it really affect my ability? No. Just maybe my empathy and experience. And that's, again, a whole other ballpark to look into. But I just wish that, you know, people coming in their first year, especially the poor first years right now who... You know, going into a medical school it's a time of complete chaos, that it's okay to say you're struggling. Tell your tutor you're struggling, because um, they can help, and that's what they're there for. If medical schools didn't want any any of their students to have issues with their well-being, they wouldn't have personal tutors who are specifically for that. And so that's just my thinking on the matter. I could go on for days, but I'm not going to do that.
0: (laughs) So... Anne, I noticed you nodding along as Izzy was speaking. What are your reflections on what she was saying?
2: I, I just remember back to when a leading psychiatrist from the Maudsley told me that they trust students who have been through mental health crises. They trust their resilience more than they trust students that haven't because they've had to deal with something. They've got their processes for support and they are much better prepared going forwards into doctorhood, where we all go through times of distress and illness. So that reminded me of that, that you're particularly well suited to me, to being a doctor. And also that when the GMC registers students, there are very, very few students that are not registered. And those that are, are those that not are ill, but those that have not dealt with their illness or ha- don't have insight into their illness. And there's just a very small
1: number. But from what you say about that, you know, you're saying that, you know, they trust people with more resilience. I'm about to start a psychiatry placement in my fourth year and I'm terrified because I don't know what to expect from the other side. And will I see it as a whole different ballgame? But why, why would you say you're terrified to say, like, do you want to expand on that a little bit? I've known it from the other side. I know what it's like to be a patient. And what if I come across someone who I've worked with as a, as like, you know, as my healthcare professional, like who treated me and then I come across them in a different like relationship with them that would be very unsettling for me and potentially like hinder my progress and um also will it bring back thoughts like because you know when I'm talking to patients and if I see myself in them will that bring back feelings of oh god like that is true yeah and as I said I I have these conditions I'm still well enough to be a medical student I'm happy to talk about it but I'm still vulnerable to those triggers, as you might call them, or just things that remind you of things that you've gone through in the past. And I don't know if Lily has similar things, like, with her condition. If you ever speak to a patient and you resonate and you relate to what they've said, it can make you feel something different to just, like, the... I'm going to treat this patient and make them better, but you feel a bit more connected in a way. And it for me, like, I'm someone who would probably then go and, you know really want to focus on making them better because I don't want them to go through what I went through. And I find that's hard to like balance between where do I draw the line and that I can help here or this is what the patient needs to try and, because it, you know, often it's a, the patient has to work for being better too. And, you know, I want to tell them my experience, but I'm not going to tell them my experiences as a medical student. That's not the right place or time, but you know, I can, I can, give that insight through the questions I ask and try and get it out of them in that way and so it's a very different way of having to deal with things and I don't know how I'm going to cope with that when it happens but when it does I guess I go in with an open mind and see what happens.
0: Lily have you been on a ward where you've been a patient before or like on in the same specialty?
3: Um, so, obviously, I've done uh, resp, and that is kind of where most of my um, illness sits. Um, I've never met a patient with bronchiectasis, um, but obviously, spoken to lots of patients with dodgy lungs. I think, I guess, I think there is such a difference between the resonance between you Izzy and patients with mental health problems I think there's a difference there compared with me and a patient with something like cystic fibrosis so we can kind of share experiences of um, physiotherapy and things like that so I I do have those moments of yeah I know what questions to ask I know the little questions about their day-to-day lives that another doctor might not know to ask and that will create a good rapport and perhaps the patient can kind of sense I know something about it. I don't know if it would be quite as, the way you describe it feels much more moving to me than probably what I experience. Um, But maybe that, maybe that isn't accurate. But yeah, no, I've definitely, I think any shared experience, even if the patient doesn't know you have it, will always help in your communication. So even if it, so yeah, if it's a, a mental health thing or physical health thing or if it's literally like an actual life event that you share even if the patient doesn't explicitly know that you understand you can kind of communicate that through the questions you ask and your body language it does just make you predictably more empathetic because you just understand I think that's why people always say you need really diverse medical students because you need medical students who have this massive wealth of experiences so we're increasing the chance of patients meeting doctors who can understand in more in more of a way yeah so i think any experience whether it is whether it does come from a place of illness and trauma but also positive experiences or just neutral experiences in life i think Obviously they're always gonna be useful and helpful.
1: Definitely positive experiences as well is definitely a thing. Absolutely.
0: Definitely. I was just reflecting when you were both speaking and thinking about how much sort of this is evidence for how much we can learn from sort of expert patients and how much when patients are involved with teaching for medical students, how much we can learn from them and then in order for us to be more empathetic to other
1: patients in the future. I mean I was talking to Anna, um, the previous editorial scholar, uh, last week about this. Um, And she was saying that, you know, does lived experience make you a better doctor really? Or is it actually that experience that gives you the insight, not necessarily your abilities that are better, but your manner with patient might be a little bit more tailored to them. But of course that's a very specific field and it's a whole debate which could go on for ages. And interesting actually, so you can get, some really interesting points through that. But I definitely say that talking to people with experience is just invaluable. Whether it be a patient, a friend, or a simulated patient, or like even reading a book about, you know, someone's written a memoir about it. You don't know how a patient feels about a condition unless you talk to a patient. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to get a patient experience to learn about a condition. Whether that's just through symptoms, like learning about symptoms, that's all patient experience. And I think it's just invaluable. And so make the most of it. If, if someone's willing to talk to you about their condition, listen and let them talk, because sometimes that really helps. So, if you listened to the last episode,
0: you might remember that I spoke to Gavin, a medical student in Manchester, about a health scare that he had whilst at medical school. But whilst I spoke to him, I also had a chance to ask him a bit more about his experience as a patient throughout. So, let's take a listen.
5: During my time as a medical student in my third year, I was diagnosed with an arrhythmogenic uh, cardiomyopathy. And then later on in third year, I was uh, given an ICD as a result of my diagnosis of the cardiomyopathy and then as a result of the ICD I had a DVT in my left subclavian vein uh, around the IC where the ICD wires enter into the vein and that was then also surgically removed and treated. Um, so being a patient as a medical student I find quite an interesting experience or have found Um so when i was diagnosed with my cardiomyopathy it was actually quite interesting as weird as that may sound um i kind of wanted to know i was always looking at the ecgs asking uh, the doctors to explain what like the t-wave inversion meant up to v4 and why that was significant and then i also had right axis deviation so i was asking about that There were some bifid waves as well, so I was asking about that, which was quite beyond my level of understanding as a medical student, but it was still interesting to hear and kind of get a brief kind of understanding on. Um, Then moving on to my actual diagnosis of the cardiomyopathy, I wanted to know absolutely everything about it. I think it was quite nice because um, I think my kind of coping mechanism Uh, personally at least is to understand everything and to know as much as possible about the situation I was in and then from that I could kind of from there there was kind of no fear of the unknown which was or that was at least minimized which was quite nice or I found that quite comforting so I would also always get the doctors or whoever was with me at the time uh, to explain everything I would ask a lot of questions And they always seemed really happy to talk about stuff. And I feel like as a medical student, and because they were aware of that, I did get a slightly more medical uh, explanation of things. It was never really in lay terms. Uh, Obviously, some of the the concepts were quite complex and definitely beyond my kind of understanding as a medical student. But even so, I think it was quite nice that the doctors were very willing to kind of yeah, be aware of my uh, studies and therefore kind of alter the way they would talk to me. I don't think they were talking to me as a normal uh, kind of patient, which I actually quite preferred. It, it To me, it just felt like there was more of a... it Rather than them just treating me as a patient, it was more of like a personal kind of medicine thing. Whereas they were like taking into account my background, what I knew and trying to build on that when I was asking these questions rather than giving me like quite simple and uh kind of non-medical explanations for the questions I was answering asking sorry yeah so I actually quite liked that uh and that kind that has essentially been like quite a it's been quite uh that's continued throughout all my treatment so I've been treated in two different, uh, three different hospitals and at each of those I've always had the same kind of idea about wanting to know as much as possible and at each of the hospitals with different medical staff and different teams each time they've always been more than willing to kind of answer all my questions and I found that very comforting. Uh, it's, It's just a lot nicer to know exactly what's going on
0: So, panel, what were your thoughts when you were listening to that clip of Gavin talking? Anne, go on.
2: I was thinking about letting the patient, the student, the the patient take the lead in what, how much information they need. Because I remember a family member who developed a cancer and said to me, really, I don't really want to know anything. I'm not looking it up. I'm just handing myself over to the doctors to look after me because actually this is too much. They were actually a medical practitioner as well. So it depends on the patient, it depends on the medical student, on the doctor.
3: I completely agree. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I was thinking it's so good that he feels really positive about that experience, but oh my gosh, do I not want that. I do not want all that information. I don't want to feel like I'm, oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I just want to put it over. I want to be a traditional patient. Yeah. You don't want to so
5: be So I completely
3: agree. <laughs> What do you th- what do you think is it
5: Sorry, you just made me laugh there.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I find it from my perspective of course. So, you know, Gavin, Lily it's you know, physical health things. Uh, yeah. I, I, if you want to know about a condition, I feel like you should be allowed to. There's always the risk of them then going home and looking at Dr. Google, which we all know, <laughs> not the best idea. And um I mean, I found that out the hard way the other day. Um <laughs> but for me, like I find it kind of comforting like even though the doctor maybe doesn't tell me that much information, like the 10-minute slot we have, if we have 20, still it's because we need to talk about other things. You know, when I'm in my lectures and I learn about how... my Like, my condition, let's say depression, how that works, like, why I get those symptoms, like, you know, the neurochemical imbalances, and then we look how SSRIs work. For me, making that connection between, oh, it's not just I'm grumpy, like, there's actually a thing going on here. I mean, I was saying earlier... Um... I want my GP to treat me as a person. I don't want her to treat me as my... am sh- a medical student. I want her to treat me as she would any other patient. And that's my personal preference. But, I mean, if someone says that to, to you, I think you should just respect that. They don't want to know all the information because they'll understand it. Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: <laughs> Izzy, do you... I don't know how often you see a different doctor who doesn't know you. Do you... Would you actively tell a doctor that you're a medical student?
1: <laughs> Interesting one. Um, <laughs> so uh, my GP, obviously, I've been seeing her for about a year now. And when I'm making an appointment, I'll always try and make sure it's with her. I don't mind waiting an extra week if it's with her. So I don't have to explain nine, ten years worth of history, <laughs> which will take yeah. up more than ten minutes appointment. Um, yeah. But in when I, you know, when I've had to go to A&E or or urgent care for both mental health and for like, if I've just walked into a door or something, I tend to not, (laughs) it's happened. I tend to not say that I'm a medical student. And if they ask what course I'm on, I'll say biomedical sciences, which was technically true at the time, last time I went to hospital because Nottingham has a biomedical science, then BMBS. And because I just don't wanna be told, oh, you know that this is not serious, or, oh, you know how to cope with this sometimes when i'm feeling for instance when i've when my anxiety is absolutely through the roof i will forget basic methods of calming myself down and you know the doctor will say well have you been for a walk because it says here that helps you i'm like no because i completely forgot that and i don't want them to say you should know that come on because that makes you feel even worse i don't want to be told off for yeah. not being competent but i mean luckily i haven't had a doctor do that but i do tend to not say when i'm in when I'm like, in secondary care especially, I'll say, oh yeah, yeah, I study medical sciences, or I'm looking to do medicine. (laughs) So, (laughs) looking to be a doctor. I'll try and get around it because I just don't want to be criticized. It's the last thing you need when you're feeling ill, when you're feeling rough, you don't want to have, you know, something else, or told that you shouldn't be here. Or you should have come earlier, that's something I've had as well. You should, that's the worst thing.
3: Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I loved intercalating because they'd be like, what are you studying? And I'd be like, anthropology. And they'd, and they'd be like, right, you know nothing about medicine. And I was like sat there nodding. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I never offer it. And if they ask, I'll say I'm a student. And then if they ask specifically, I'll be like, oh, medicine. <laughs> but that rarely
0: happens. Yeah. Anne, did you want to say something? Oh, I was just
2: going to say, I hate that word should as well. It yeah. really gets me, oh, so angry in so, CBT um, yeah have, I tend not to yeah. tell people I'm a doctor if I can possibly help it yeah uh, when I'm a patient
1: I mean I've just had I've literally had a CBT session just before recording this and she literally said she said stop saying should would could like all those words <laughs> stop it like <laughs> yeah and it's like she said just you don't have to like validate yourself for every single thing you do and it's the same thing in When other people say that, like, oh, you really should go to the shop. It'll make you less likely to do it, I find. If someone tells me what to do, I won't do it. I'm stubborn. 100%. (laughs) I don't know if that's from siblings, but... (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting, though, that you're all saying that you
0: would even sometimes hide the fact that you're a medical student for fear of what they're going to say to you. I think that's so interesting and almost puts like alarm bells off in my head that, because we were speaking about how we should be, I said should, but how we should be <laughs> nice um, catch it. T- treating all patients the same. But I guess if you're, if that same treatment is the fact that you're applying like this personal treatment plan and how they want to be treated, Then, regardless of whether someone's a medical student or not, someone might not be a medical student and might want to know absolutely everything about their disease ever because that's their sort of coping strategy and that's how they feel more at ease is to know everything. But then, some people, as Anne mentioned with one of her patients, just preferred to not know anything at all. And I guess if we then standardize that you treat every patient how they want to be treated, regardless of who they are, and not put everyone in a bracket that because you're a medical student, you should know everything. Um, what do you think? I was
2: thinking that that's great, however, that medical students and doctors do have a professional responsibility in terms of fitness to, well, I know that's a horrible mm-hmm. yeah. term, but fitness to study and practice and patient safety. Mm. So I'm thinking, how do we cope with that situation, knowing that maybe a student or a doctor may be very unwell, maybe lacking some insight and has a clinical responsibility if we don't know their work
3: mm-hmm. things
2: might come unstuck
3: I think this dilemma probably applies to so many jobs. There are so many jobs where yeah. if you're if you're not feeling mentally well, you're not going to be doing your job well enough, and then there are obviously extreme cases like any sort of healthcare job in my mind, thinking like teaching transport, teaching yeah, so pilots, you, you might pilots. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> well exactly, there are so many jobs where. You can harm people through yourself not being
2: well. Yeah. I I just had an idea that as a GP, if I saw someone that really wasn't well, I would ask them, do they drive a car? Do they have children? Responsibilities? What kind of job are they doing? Who are they dealing with? Hopefully, I would ask that. and, And then I would be able to find out which responsibilities they have and are they able to carry out those responsibilities in the state of illness that they're in. And if not, yeah. what kind of support do we need to to get together?
3: I think you're right. I think the onus should be on the doctor looking after them. It should be on their, it's their responsibility. If they're worried about their patient, they should be asking about what their job is in more detail, as opposed to putting the responsibility on someone who's ill to disclose information that they might not feel comfortable disclosing. It should be on the responsibility of the caregiver to... Create an atmosphere where that person can share when it's needed, not just for the point and sake of it.
1: Can I just say though, this is very. This would be so rare that this would actually come to this though. You know, someone to be that ill in terms of their medical practice, because you know, if you if I had mild anxiety, that's not a terms for professionalism or fitness to practice, and that's what people have to remember that. Don't let things like that put you off talking to people, talking yeah. to your tutor because that's a sign of strength, actually talking to people about it, as opposed to hiding it um, and not talking to people about it, which never really ends well, does it? I, d- I can't think of a time that's ever ended well for me. So <laughs> I mean, if anyone has any good experience with that, do tell me, but <laughs> I haven't. Go on, Annie.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's great to know that someone's a medical student, but I'm not expecting them to tell me. But if they do i'm I'm really yeah. happy that they do, yeah, and that it's hardly ever that a student is so ill and so lacks insight that they really need some remediation or some support, and we want every medical student to become the best doctor they can be, so we're not going to hold people back, but very, very occasionally it happens, but just handfuls out of I don't know how many five thousand students going forward into foundation year, maybe two or three not allowed to register it's just a really small number and it could Mm. be criminal charges it could be really bad alcohol or drug addiction that they can't dealing with and it's not also you know they may be able to come back if they get some help and get some insight so it's it's not um it's a very very small number and it's much better to be open and much better to deal with things early and you're developing your resilience your knowledge your understanding your empathy of other patients you know it's positive thing. so don't think to hide things.
0: I guess that's why sort of this was an interesting topic to discuss for an episode because as um, Lily pointed out obviously like this sort of concept applies to loads of other jobs but for us as medical students and I guess that's what this podcast is all about like learning things that will make you a better doctor we we can sort of relate to both sides of the spectrum we can sort of relate to the doctors who are and how to treat patients who have specific requests or needs or whatever but then also a lot of us have been in the position where we are those patients so I guess that's why it was a topic that I was keen to discuss as an episode. Yeah 100%. I guess it's just something for us to consider Well, for when we become doctors one day too, and especially if that patient is a medical student, or I guess any healthcare professional in this case, um, we shouldn't have these expectations of them to understand their own symptoms. As I guess it's all about perspective. So similarly to how we said on last time's episode, we can never really view ourselves completely neutrally and from an unbiased perspective, like a doctor should. Though so I also guess that as a doctor treating a medical student, if they particularly want to know everything, sometimes we, I guess, could be prepared to spend that extra five minutes with them and teach them what they want to know um, without making them feel like it's a teaching session or sort of quizzing them or anything like that. that's all from us on sharp scratch today if you would like to hear more from us subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll get our next episode straight to your phone while you wait for the next episode, make sure you check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag SharpScratch. We'd love to hear your ideas about what we should cover later in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students find the show. Until next time, bye from us.
1: Bye. bye.